If you would, grab a Bible. Let's turn to Ephesians chapter 4. We'll be centering our thoughts in Ephesians 4 for these few minutes of study this morning. Ephesians chapter 4. It is good to see you and good to be with you. Thank you so much for this opportunity for us to be together and for your presence here. Appreciate those who have led us in worship, all of us joining in together as we sing together. Appreciate those who are visiting with us. We want you to, be know, we want you to know that we are glad that you're here. Thank you for joining us this morning. And if there's something we can do to make you feel welcome, if there's something we can do to talk to you about some serious issue in your life or something we can help you with, please let us know about that. We want to get to know you and help you in any way that we can. Ephesians 4 and verse 15. Ephesians 4.15 says, Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Paul likens the church here to a body, and he stresses that the body succeeds when each part is working properly. Or you might have a version that says, when each part does its share. Or a version that says, when each part does its work. But the idea is that the body only works and only grows and only thrives when every part of the body does its part. So we've been talking this year about our theme for the year, which is the idea of house rules. And we've talked about how house rules are principles for Christian homes where throughout the year we've talked about what should we be teaching. In Deuteronomy 6, God talks to his people about how they should speak about his word when they lie down and rise up, when they walk by the way, when they're doing their ordinary chores all throughout the time that they have children at home. What should we be teaching? And so we have focused on how Christian homes are formative for young people and for those of us who are married, who are parents, how our homes become the place where our faith is articulated and practiced and how our homes then become the key to healthy local churches and healthy societies. That is important for us to be teaching and practicing who we are as Christians at home. And so I want to continue that. By the way, you might not have noticed, we're almost through the year, and we've got one more after this. So I wanted to talk this morning about something that comes from this passage, and that is the idea that everyone pulls their weight Because as you see in this text, the body functions best when each part does its share. And I want us to think about the mentality that that instruction springs from and how we can build that mentality at home. The first thing I want to say about that is that we do our work. And if you're emphasizing a part of that little sentence, the word our is the emphasis. We do the work that we are to do. In Ephesians 4 and verse 7, let's back up a little bit. Ephesians 4 and verse 7, it says, But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Now, when he says grace here, he does not mean grace in the sense of salvation, the idea of God sending Jesus to die on the cross for our sins. Instead, this is grace in a different form, the idea of grace giving, God giving gifts, and that is his grace. And the specific gifts have to do with the specific gifts each one of us has. So he says, verse 8, Therefore, it says, When he ascended on high, he led a host of captives, and he gave gifts to men. In saying he ascended, what does it mean but that he also descended into the lower regions, the earth? He who descended is the one who also ascended, far above all the heavens, that he might fill all things. So he is explaining the passage there. 
he is saying that this is a description of Jesus. How when Jesus descended to live among men and then ascended again to return to heaven, that he gave gifts to men. So verse 11, and he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers. Here are some of the gifts he is saying. And then in verse 12, to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. So he says all of those gifts are given to help others. And specifically, most of these gifts have to do with teaching. You notice that in the list, the apostles and prophets and evangelists and shepherds and teachers. The idea is each one of them is given gifts, and yet we have to use the gifts given to us. So the point is, Jesus is the source of the gifts we have, and other people are the recipients, the ones who receive the blessings of the gifts we have been given. Leave your finger or your marker here in Ephesians 4. I want to go with you over to Romans chapter 12. Let's look in Romans 12. Paul is going to talk again here about a body and the idea of how a body functions with different parts. Romans 12 and verse 3. Romans 12 and verse 3. The text says, For by the grace given to me, And again, he uses that word grace to mean more than just God's grace in sending Jesus. But this is about grace and how Paul was blessed with a special work. Verse 3, For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members one of another. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. So again, he uses the picture of a body, and in a body, you got a lot of different parts of your body, and they don't all have the same purpose, they don't all have the same role, they're not always the same importance. And yet, the body works together as the different parts do their part. So there is a wide variety of gifts here. Did you notice that in verse 6? In verse 6, he talks about all these different gifts. Prophecy, service, teaching, exhortation, contribution, leading, acts of mercy. In fact, it's interesting. I did this study this week. If you look at all the different lists in the New Testament of gifts, some of them are spiritual gift lists. Some of them are lists like these, where you kind of combine something like prophecy with something like leading, which seem to be of two different sorts. All the lists of gifts in the New Testament are different, usually widely different. And I think what we are intended to conclude from that is that all of them are just some of the gifts. That God has given gifts, and there are all kinds of gifts that each one of us has And so we each have a specialized kind of gift and work that God has given to us. Some of those gifts have to do with people. Did you notice that in the text here? He talks about the gift of serving or the gift of exhorting or the gift of leading. Some of them have to do with circumstances. So he talks about the gift of contributing, which to me implies that someone's going to have a lot to give if that's going to be a gift that they have. But the point is... We each embrace our own work. Can I give you a caution about gifts? I don't know if you've talked about or thought about this before. But as we begin to think about, well, what are my gifts? What do I excel in? How has God blessed me and how can I use that? 
Sometimes gifts become an excuse for elitism. Now, it's interesting that that happens because Paul says specifically back there in verse 3, don't think more highly of yourself than you ought to think. Be careful in knowing that you have been gifted with something. Don't think you're better than others. But this is the way I have seen that play out. It happens a lot in uh, modern business speak. Sometimes I'll read through business and leadership type books for the business world. I'm sure some of you do too. And those kinds of works will say things like, you know what, your time is too valuable to waste on all the things you could be doing for your work. Your gifts are too great to waste on chores that other people could do. So you should say things like, you know, I'm a good leader. I shouldn't have to take out the trash. The problem is somebody has to take out the trash, even if it's not their gift, right? Somebody has to do the menial work. And that doesn't mean necessarily that it's our special gift to do the menial work. So it seems to me that it can very easily lead to think about my work, and my work is special and unique, means sometimes I might say, well, I mean, that work is beneath me. And that's not a Christian attitude. Don't think of yourself more highly than you ought to think just because you have been given some gifts by God. Another caution I would give you about our own gifts is that discovering our gifts is not about uncovering your lifelong dream and reaching for the stars. I tell you, it bothers me sometimes the things we say to our children and the things, the messages that our children receive. I have uh, had a lot of discussions with young people, especially young people in that generation called millennials, who really struggle with what to do with their lives because they have been told from a very young age that you need to change the world and reach for the stars and grasp your dreams. Just go whatever you dream. Go do that thing that you've dreamed. That puts a lot of pressure on young people because what if my job is not changing the world and reaching for the stars? What if I just have a regular job and a regular place and a regular family? And so a lot of them are paralyzed by that feeling because all the career options they've been presented with sound pretty boring and I'm not sure if that's what God put me on this earth to do. So sometimes that gets translated over into the gifts discussion where we say, well, what is it that is your special and unique gift? And so we sit paralyzed trying to figure it out. So let me just say it this way. Your gifts are what you do well and what you naturally tend toward. And that might not change the world. And that might not be super exciting to everybody in the world. But the point is we all have a work and a work that is in many ways unique to us and our own personality. And the reason I want to bring this up in this discussion is because those gifts are taught and reinforced in the home. At home is where we begin to realize, I have something special about me. And so, parents, it is important that we learn and help our children learn to express our gifts and to help other people Because at home, those gifts can be celebrated and they can be emphasized in a way that builds character and expectation that we're going to serve other people. At home, I also learn that no matter what my gifts are, I still have to take out the trash. And I still have to do the things around the house that everybody has to do. None of us is exempt. We all pull our weight. So parents, value your kids for their gifts, and help them to see what they are for the blessing that it is and the good work it can be 
to celebrate the good of their differences from others. And yes, sometimes their differences from you. Because very often our children are different from us. And instead of that being a source of consternation, it could be a source of encouragement. Spouses, value your mates for their gifts instead of only picking at them for the things that they are not that you wish they were. Who are they and what do they bring? Praise the work you see and say, God made you this way. God gave you these gifts so that you can do your unique work. And we can encourage one another in what that work is. Let's go back to Ephesians 4. The second thing I want to say here is we work for others. In Ephesians 4 and verse 11, Ephesians 4 and verse 11, it says, And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. So he says, use your gifts to equip others to use their gifts to equip others to use their gifts. And on and on it goes. You equip them so that they can be ready to serve in the places they are with the talents that they have. Verse 13, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness in deceitful schemes. So he says specifically, these teachers need to use their, their gifts to help other people grow so that they are no longer immature and tossed to and fro by every kind of teaching they hear. Instead, you help them grow into what they can be. So it is not as if we just do our work and use our gifts, but specifically we have that outward focus. We work for others and we learn that our gifts are not for us alone. Let's turn over to 1 Peter 4. We'll come back to Ephesians 4 in a minute, but let's go to 1 Peter 4. This is another one of those lists that I mentioned earlier where he talks about some of the gifts that we have. And here, Peter introduces the idea of if you've been given a gift, you are a steward of the gift. You use it for a while, and then you return it to the one to whom it truly belongs. 1 Peter 4 and verse 10. 1 Peter 4.10, as each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. 1 Peter 4.11, whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies, in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. So how do you steward God's gifts? Verse 10 says, you steward them by using them to serve each other. Use it to serve one another. That's how you steward God's gifts. So he gives two examples in verse 11. He says, if anyone speaks... As one who speaks oracles of God. So if you speak, if that is your gift and that is your role, then speak with the care and the respect and the concern that you would have if you were speaking the very words of God. You speak because you see the impact of your words on others and the respect your words have toward God, who ultimately should be the author of those words. And then in verse 11, he also says, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies. So if we serve, let's use the energy God gives. You know, one of the great struggles of serving is that when you serve, you, get, you wear out. But if God is the one supplying the strength, then what can we not do for other people if God is strengthening us? 
So when we say we work for others, we are saying we do not just work for ourselves. And this is important. When you have a gift, you usually enjoy using it. It's fun. It's good. It's helpful to you. It's pleasurable for you. And when you have a gift, you usually get noticed for them. So people might notice our friendliness, or people might notice our athleticism, or our humor, or our intelligence. And sometimes they will just outright praise us and talk about how great it is that we have this certain gift. And amazingly, sometimes we get paid for our gifts. Sometimes they become the source of our income. So we're gifted at speaking, or we have special insights, or we are good leaders, or we just have had a good education. And so we make our living from that. Now, none of that is wrong. But we have to say that using our gifts to be noticed and praised and paid is only using them for ourselves. That's just about me. And I am benefiting without necessarily anyone else benefiting. So when Peter says this in 1 Peter 4 and verse 10, he says, As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another. He is saying God wants those gifts to flow out, not just in. Don't just take from God and then take as a result of what God has done for you. Instead, be a giver. And we learn that first at home. It is our privilege, parents, to do more than just praise our children for the good gifts that we see God has given them, but to help them find ways to use their gifts to build bridges to other people. So, for example, instead of if our child is popular, instead of saying, well, popularity is the goal, congratulations, you made it, perhaps we can help them use their popularity to introduce spiritual ideas to other children. Instead of friendliness, just being about us feeling better because, hey, we got lots of friends. Using it to include kids who are outcasts. And we reach out to them and show them what it is to belong. Instead of just enjoying our youth and energy, using it to serve and work for other people. And saying, I'm healthy, I'm young, I can do things for others. Parents, we instill in our children the sense of what can I do with this gift for other people. And not only do we help them see it, we help them see it when we do it ourselves. When we refuse to simply enjoy the fruit of what God has given us. And instead they see us busy working for and thinking about others. Let's go back to Ephesians 4. The third thing I want to show you here is that we work together. We work together. Ephesians 4. So the New Testament emphasizes the fact that we best use our gifts when we use our gifts to build up the whole of the body of Christ. Ephesians 4 and verse 12. Ephesians 4 and verse 12. To equip the saints for the work of ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children, tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, 
from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Notice the focus here on building up the body. The body is the important part, not just each part. That instead of only working to build up ourselves, as if one part of the body is much more important than the others, and we're only here to have our part of the body glorified, we build the whole body up. We work together. The goal here is till we all attain to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. We all want to get there. We want the whole body to excel. The whole body can grow. The whole body can build itself up in love. We are joined and held together, verse 16, by every joint, each part with its place and its role and its work, everybody doing their share, everyone pulling their weight. Now, part of this is about contributing in our unique way to the work that we're all doing together, growth into Christ. And so when we are all trying to grow into the picture of Jesus, I help you do that, you help me do that, we contribute to the whole. We work together toward a goal. That is the vision God has for the New Testament church. And we have to be careful about this because this is going to rub against the grain of what our society tells us. We are not a society of people who work together well. We are instead a society of people who want to go our own way all the time. So there's going to have to be some changes. Go with me over to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians 12. First Corinthians 12 and verse 18. I had intended to put this passage on the board, but instead I, according to John, was putting stray letters all over my PowerPoint, so I didn't get this quite up here, but we can read it and turn to it together. First, First Corinthians 12 and verse 18. It says, But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them, as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. So he is saying in a body there are lots of different functions. We use our bodies to do a ton of different tasks. Just think about that today as you go through your day. All the different things you use your body to do. And there are different parts of your body that you employ during the different tasks of your day. And we don't think about that most of the time because we think of the body as one unit. We don't think of the individual parts as individual parts. And he is saying the danger in a local church is that we begin to think of the individual parts individually. I don't like that part. I wish I was that part. I'm not getting enough press as the part I am. We begin to be individual instead of a group. We begin to work on our own instead of together. I mentioned this rubs against the grain of our society. As Americans, we insist on our own rights all the time, and we demand that we have the right to object and to leave and to complain and to disagree and just do our own thing if we want. And that's not the picture of the New Testament church. That's not the way it works. That has a tremendous fragmenting power in every organization and group, from the government to a corporation to a family to a local church. When someone says, I'm going to do my own thing, it takes away from the whole. We work together 
because everyone is there to pull their own weight and carry their own load. And I am saying that that principle of working together is best taught and practiced first at home. So if we are a family, we all work together because we all have a stake in the family. If the family excels, we all excel. A rising tide lifts all boats. Better family is good for everyone. So we share in the blessings of the group, but we also share in the responsibilities of the group. So we share, for example, if we have a yard, we work together on our yard. If we have a house, we work together to keep the house clean. We work together to keep our pets uh, alive. We work together to keep peace in our home. We work together. We are never just takers. And so as children grow, it is important that we show them moving from being a taker to being a contributor, to pulling their weight, to having a say and having a role in what a family is. Perhaps that means that we as families need to show one another the need we have to contribute to the organizations that we're a part of. You know, most of us are part of several organizations. We're part of sports organizations and schools. Or maybe we're in community organizations or scouts or something like that. But especially when we talk about the church, we demonstrate the need to contribute and not just take. I have to say this. One of the most mystifying things in the world to me is that some people believe that the church is an organization that only gives. It is somehow made up of superhumans who have, for reasons unknown to me, have a bottomless capacity to give and give and give. That's all they do. They just give and they never ask anything in return. And so people will come to a church with all kinds of requests and demands. And if we ever tell them, no, we can't help you, then they get angry. How dare you not help me and give me what I want? They contribute nothing. They help no one. They show up when they feel like it, if then. They remain marginally committed and marginally invested, but they never hesitate to take. Take, take, take. They're happy to complain and find fault. They've got all the answers for the way things should be in a church. They're eager to criticize and point out the flaws in everyone else, but they never do anything to help. And I want to remind you, God calls on every part to do its share. Everyone pulls their weight. That's the way the local church was intended to be. And if we are going to fight against that problem, we have to fight against it first at home where we teach our children and our spouses by our words and our example that we will not be takers, we will be givers. That we will contribute, we will do our part, we will pull our share because God calls on us to be that kind of people. We have to acknowledge the tremendous, breathtaking selfishness that that mentality represents. That other people exist only to serve me when I feel like it. And instead say, I want to be more like Jesus who taught me it is more blessed to give than to receive. So we begin to teach 
and to live that everyone pulls their weight. I want to say one more thing, and the lesson will be yours. As I thought through this, it also seemed to me that really absorbing these lessons will help us see one another in a kinder way. That is, if ever we are tempted to disdain or dismiss or look down on a brother or sister in Christ, if ever we get cross with them or angry with them, it might help to remember that they have a unique work and unique gifts that God has given them. And to, to think about, I wonder what they could bring to the cause. What is the good thing that I see in them that God has put there for his glory and to build up his body? That when we think about working for others, it will help us to remember that we don't just do things so that we are pleased, but we do things to be a blessing and to come back to the fact that the fact that I am trying to work to bless you doesn't really depend on how you take that. And when we talk about working together, it might help us to remember that what we are doing when we do our share is a blessing to everyone in the group and that our job is not to pull our own way and do our own thing, not even to complain when we invest without getting anything in return, but to work together. And it seems to me that if we can really develop this mentality it will strengthen not only our families, but the local church as well. It will strengthen this group. So, everyone pulls their weight. The question that comes to each one of us is, am I pulling my weight? Am I doing my work? Am I serving others? Am I contributing to the good of the whole? I hope you'll think about those things as you go through the week, and I hope that in your home, you'll begin to implement those things and lead your children, lead your families toward God's expectations there. This is the time of our service where we traditionally offer an invitation. This is a time where if you have a need or a concern that you want to make known to this group, or if you're ready to become a Christian and be baptized into Christ, you can come up to the front and let us know about that, and we can pray with you, and we can help you to be right with God. If there is any need that you have, please come right now as we stand and sing to encourage you.